Was that I some- get how you guys wouldn't remember every character. I mean, we're Where talking you come from, about it's more like the Bible. It's yes. Right. I was actually going to ask, like, was that even something that really you guys well put, Michael? It yeah. is. Yeah. Mick Dundee is like God, Jesus to us because he broke us through. He was like, oh, g'day, put some shrimps on the barbie to you guys. Oh, yeah. And you guys were like, dude, I want a shrimp on a barbie. Right. And we didn't even have that. He, he just, also didn't drink Fosters. He, nah. Like everything was a lie. Yeah, but he knew that that's what would get you guys. If you had to say, if he had to say, put a couple of snags on the barbie, you guys wouldn't have gone for it. You don't like our sausages. But, and it's like, you know, and a, and a VB, VB doesn't have the kick that Foster's Foster's sounds cool to America. It's yeah, like, yeah, whoa, yeah. they've got their own beer. You know, it sounds cool. <laughs> he knew exactly it, it what was, he was doing, and he gave the, us the he gave the, us the kickoff that it, sent the rest of us to glory. It was the giant can that did it. Yeah, the big can was what sold us all for sure. Wait, there was a yeah, the can was oh massive. because it was bigger. Yeah, yes, yeah. That seemed oh, and you thought that's all the cans that we used? Yeah, we were like, these guys are great. Yeah, look at the size of the can they we drink out of. That we only drink out of those size cans. Yeah, because it was like the equivalent of like we had the tall boy. Yeah, and then to us it was like, wait, this is the normal size can. They almost be monsters down there. Back in the day, we never had that. Mm. It was only here because he knew Dundee. Thanks, Dundee. Start the show. Welcome to the show. When the dust settles, we'll have a guest. This is appropriate, right? Yes, because uh, Brian Scotto is here, CEO of Hoonigan. Just make shit up. Just make it up. That's cool. It's fine. Chief Creative Officer. It's just a bunch of letters that don't mean shit. It's cool. Uh, he's in charge of a lot of shit. Stuff. I've seen it. Stuff. Stuff. Or oh, are we keeping it PG? Yeah, it's a podcast, YouTube, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, Shout yeah, out yeah. to YouTube. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're in charge of a lot of stuff. But uh, uh, Scotto is... Hoonigan is a brand, and they are the ambassadors of burnouts and, and doing cool stuff with cars. And you can't see Scotto yet, right? Like... I can just do this for a kind minute. Of, yeah, just keep yeah. going. I got a little hyped on that. I was actually curious how much you knew about me, so I would let oh, yeah, you keep here we going. Go. Well, well, I know that uh, he was involved in, he was a writer and a, and he did articles and stuff, and he was into cars, but he was more into, um, uh, you could do like uh, ads, he could do ad campaign photograph photography, he did a lot of that stuff, for designing stuff, and he was so good at what he was doing that when he met Ken Block, Ken Block was like, uh, dude, you've got to work with me. 
we've got to work together, we've got to start stuff. And then you were like, you know what, I believe in this kid, I'm going to totally invest in it. <laughs> and then you became his right-hand man and then he became ridiculously big in several different things. And it seemed like to me that uh, Scotto became in charge of every one of those things. And it was it was it looked like a lot. And then if he was in charge of Hoonigan and they're all bouncing off the walls, they don't know what's going on. And he organizes them and then he organizes the one of the I feel like I mean, I'm good friends with Tony Hawk. I feel like Ken Block is as busy, if not busier, and he and and Tony doesn't you know, if you're like, hey, man, you want to meet me for lunch? He's like, dude, what day, what time, like what country? Because I'm here, here, here and here. But it seemed like you were in charge of of all that stuff to the, like he really trusted you. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I, don't I don't remember really know him, why at first. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember him trusting anybody. I don't remember him ever leaning on any, anybody, but uh, I can say that it looked like that to me, that he would lean on you for a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was weird because, you know, when I met Ken, so I met him on the Gumball Rally. You remember the Gumball yeah, 3000? Yeah, yeah. So, like, where rich people go to show you how much money they have. How rich they are. Yeah, yeah and then they stop and they celebrate and brag about how much money they have, and then they buy a more expensive car, or sometimes they break a car, and then yeah. they buy another supercar while they're there, and they get a taxi to yeah. the place ahead, and... And they're like quarter million, half a million dollar cars, no problem. I'm sure there were some sweethearts on that, but it seemed to me that I know there were some celebrities who are great people along for the ride, but the people who paid to be there, if some accident had happened to everybody in the gumball, the world's douche population would have fallen. Yeah, but by unfortunately, like 0.1%. unfortunately, they it's almost would. all of them, Michael. <laughs> yeah, they're almost all there. Like for the that. best yeah. of the best. Oh yeah. Uh, the thing is, like, I, I really like the organizer, like the yeah. guy who puts it together, because he's actually not one of them. He just saw the target. He was like, oh, I can attract douches. Sure. Bring them in here. Hey. If people want to spend money. Yeah. Somebody's got to take it from them. Yeah. So anyway, they they uh, they put this whole thing together. And like early on, though, I think it was still cool. And then like it just passed its like Overton window of acceptable douchebaggery. When, it went Coachella? Yeah. And you're just like, ah, oh, this yeah. is just, it's gone too far. Because so. nobody was trying to go fast, right? Oh, it was just, the thing I realized on that was like, if you're rich from that and watching the TV show Succession, like if you're rich, you don't pay for your crimes. Like, you pay, but with cash. Like, you don't actually do time. Right. So, like, everyone there was rich, so they just did whatever they wanted. But we were there, and, like, we weren't acting rich. Like, we showed up in, like, Subarus. Yes, it's and very every, confusing. Which, by the way, to the earlier conversation, you know that Americans thought Subarus were an Australian car. I could see that because, because didn't Paul, they have the Outback? And well, Paul, Paul Hogan, Hogan did that. Yeah, he did yeah, the Outback so, commercial. And it kind of sounds like Kangaroo. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we don't care what? enough about oh, yeah, what's okay. outside of America to really do our research. Yeah. So we were like, that's cool. Yeah, Subaru. I hated that car. I hated Foster's. <laughs> and I hated Shrimp on the Barbie. But I knew that it was good for us, so it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It did a lot. It did a lot. And they so. had the Outback too, right? They, yeah, they, they named the car the Outback. Obviously. They were kind of yeah. they were kind of claiming it. Yeah. Anyway, Outback Steakhouse. Not, we don't have Blooming it. Onion. Is that... No, we don't have that. Yeah, I was really disappointed when I went to Australia and all the things I thought were going to be there weren't there. Like what? Like If you say Bloomin' Onion. A Bloomin' Onion, Foster's. Yeah, that's what you wanted? No, not really. But you guys do like barbecue, though. Yeah. Barbecue like uh, barbecue is like a thing. We were there's Bogan barbecues and then there's uppity, uh, up, upper class, white, snooty. Yeah, I didn't get invited to any of that. to the Queen uh, you've, Australians and they have... 
prawns and and lobster tails. But if you have a bo- a bogan barbie, you get snags and you put it in bread and you put tomato sauce on it. Sometimes they'll bust out steaks and burgers, but mainly snacks. You know who our audience is. We didn't They're have snag prawns. eaters. Yeah, we didn't have yeah. any prawns. No, no prawns over here. So it's better. Yeah, I've had both, and I'm here to say that snags beat f- lobster tails. Piss off! It's a cockroach. Anyway, back on topic. So I was a magazine. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. I was a magazine <laughs> journalist, and see, I was right about that. Yep. Yep, Gumball 3000. No, photographer, though. Was kind of a cool... I do take photos, yeah, I but that, that wasn't my pro... But yeah. I said that. Yeah, you said it. You're checking I know the a boxes. lot about you, dude. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. Yeah. So anyway... Um, he really likes Porsches, 911. I do like Porsches, yeah. He, yeah. Collects, he collects them. He has a lot of cars. I do. How many, how, many cars cars have, how many cars have you gone through, say, in the last 10 years? I mean, I can, no way he can remember I couldn't that. remember that, but I can yeah. tell you that I own... <laughs> well, right now I own 23. There you go. Yeah, That's I have that. 23 cars. All of them do, though. Everybody uh-huh. at Hoonigan, they just all, like, when they're not working, they're yeah. like, oh, look at this one I found that I could do, you know what I mean? I could yeah. spend my whole life savings on. And yeah, it's really good to just fill the void inside of us, which <laughs> is sheet metal that doesn't work properly. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me, as somebody who's, like, the least car person ever, that there's two kinds of guys who have a lot of cars. There's the guys who buy all the fancy ones yeah, yeah, that yeah. are totally, <laughs> yeah, like, fin- finished and working that they yeah. have to choose every day which yeah. one matches and their And the other socks. one's the one you don't want to move in next to your house. And the other one is the, the one where you have 23 cars and three of them are actually working. Yeah, that's given me. T- okay, that's yeah. me. gotcha. Yeah. 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 But they're good. So, sure. Oh, well, I have no doubt. Eventually... They're all projects. Like they're, yeah. yeah. It's just like a yard of hopes and dreams. It's going to be weird being married to you, right? Yeah, except, you know, Ashley, she likes cars, too. Oh. And she did in the beginning. Did begin- she work on them? She did. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 So she has, like, a 944, like a Porsche that she's worked on, and then she has an old F100, like, you know, Ford truck oh, that okay. she used to then, work yeah, on. totally different. But the minute that we had a kid and, like, bought a house. They ruined everything. Yeah, like, the cars were just like, yeah, that's your thing. Yeah. That's, like, not my thing anymore. You're telling me the child is more important to her than tooling with cars. And Surprisingly, yeah. didn't know that while I we... I don't know. understand women sometimes. Yeah, it just doesn't make any I sense. I try to I mean, not harp on that, but can we agree they're insane? <laughs> yeah, I think we could all agree on that, Michael. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm gonna, I think, I probably won't get to tell the story by the time we get to the end, but I'll keep going. So, anyway, I meet Ken. Yeah. Right, that's where we're back there. So, yeah. I meet Ken. Was it rally that you met him? It was the gumball. And it's not like oh, a okay. rally. It's not like a race. It's just like. But was he doing time. rally already? No. Yeah, he had already been doing rally for one year. So this okay. was like his rookie year of rally race. Okay. The story quick. You know Pam Zam. Yes, of course. She was DC. She helped me DC through many years. Yeah. So she was like my contact at DC. I called. I yeah. knew that Deirdrick had ran it the year before. And I was at a magazine called Rides, which was like celebrity car culture, but it was mostly hip hop. And I really wanted to bring like some non hip hop element into it. So I knew Deirdrick was going. So I said, hey, is there any possibility that, um, you know, we can connect with him afterwards? It was like the week of Gumball and get some photos and debrief. Yeah. Right. And Pam calls me back three hours later, and she's like, hey, Ken Block, which at the time I think she said was like the president of D.C., which I don't think was actually ever his title, but I was like, yeah, sure. Was I mean, like, he owned it. Yeah, but he wasn't like in the forefront. Like, I grew up skateboarding. I didn't really know who Ken was. I knew who you were. It's weird. I knew who Deirdrick was, I but I didn't know Ken and Damon. I knew If Dan. you're not in skateboarding, then sure. But if you're in skateboarding, That's the industry, you though. knew that they were kingpins. Right. You know, like, but that was if you were in the industry. Like yes, if you were just correct. some like you know street kid who was skating in New York yeah. City, like you didn't know who the people, the businessmen behind yeah. it. You just knew the guys in the magazine, right? Yep. So anyway, 
Long story short, Ken was like, if he can be in Trafalgar Square, which, by the way, I didn't even know how to pronounce the one that he invited me there. I was like, Trafalgar? He was like, you could be in Trafalgar Square by tomorrow. You can get in the back of my car and join me on the Gumball 3000. So okay. I, like, headed straight from work to the airport with a backpack, <laughs> yeah. flew to London. Sick. Yeah, joined them on the Gumball. And it was weird because at the event, I actually probably, I kicked it off best with, like, Deerdick and Black because, like, they were just wanting to have fun. And they yeah. were also filming the pilot for what would eventually be Robin Bake. Oh, okay, So wow. Ruben was there, and they were filming this pilot. We got involved in a in a hockey, pro, like uh, Czech Republic won the hockey championship while we were there, and we were like involved in a full-on riot, like rolling taxi cabs over and shit. Cool. It was sick. Anyway, all of that, and like, I, then like Damon Way was there. I spent a lot of time with Damon. Even though I was sitting in the car with Ken, I barely talked to him, I felt like. Yeah. Like, he was just very Ken, you know? Like, I talked to Lucy, but, like, Ken was just like, all right, this guy's here. He's going to write some cool stuff about us, so I guess yeah. I'll have to deal with him. Yep. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, and then we, like, you know, he was just the one who was the most guarded out of everybody. And then yeah. at some point, he realized that I liked rally racing. He popped open the laptop, started showing me all the POV of all of his, his stuff racing. And, you know, we, like, kind of, it was, like, just a good event. And then, like, I went home. And figured I would probably not keep in touch with any of them. And then Ken reached out and said, hey, what are you doing Thanksgiving? You want to come to my house? I was like, um, I have like a family. Like, I'm not sure if I can come to your house on Thanksgiving Day. But like, sure, like, let's, you know, I'll, I'll try to come out for the weekend. So I flew to Utah and it was 100% a job interview. Like yeah. he had the whole DC Mountain Lab video laid out on the table. I was like, what do you think about this? And how about this? And, you know, I was like, this dude flew me to his house to just kind of like, you know, it was, he, was, he was testing me. It was like yeah, an audition. Yeah, but he knew that you knew stuff that could help yeah. get things looking better. Yeah, so that was it. And then like from there, we just started doing a couple different projects together. And then eventually we did Gymkhana, which was like that thing that really jettisoned Ken from just being what I always love referring to him as the shoe tycoon turned rally driver because that's yeah. what everyone called him was like in the automotive world. He was the shoe tycoon. Wow. And uh, yeah, then like he started, then Jim Connor film hit and after that it like all just changed. It was Jim Connor your idea as well or where did, it, where did that all come from? So I, after rides uh, or kind of parallel, I did another magazine called Zero to 60 which was like pure performance car mag yeah. and we had a column in the magazine that Ken did. It was like a two-page feature front of the book. So okay. every month we had to come up with a different idea for Ken to do. Okay. So some of it was stuff he was already doing. Like he did that big um, jump with Todd Richards and all the guys in at Snow Park. Yeah, right? he jumped that, the car, right? That, yeah, that was in Mountain Lab, like on the you know in the snow. And then he had some other stuff he was doing. And at one point we were looking for something to do, and there was this like sport called Gymkhana, which is based off of horse racing. It's like obstacle stuff. It's like steeplechase, right? But you saw it on YouTube? No, like it, so there was a group. It was kind of popular in Japan, but it was horse stuff though. We're yeah, it was horse stuff. The no horse cow. stuff, yeah, yeah. But but they eventually converted to horse stuff in like I mean car stuff in like the sixties or seventies. So in the sixties or seventies, like Gymkhana racing becomes like this small little niche motorsport. It never took off in the U.S. But the, was it similar? It's similar, but it was like... Is like, it drifting and... Yeah, they're sliding. I wouldn't say it's like big, fast stuff, but it was it was like a small course. Okay. Some of the times, like, the guys drove in reverse. Why? It was really, like, I have to admit, it was really dorky, right? Like, okay, there was I a, think I know what you're talking There was about. like a real dorkiness to it. Guys drove, like, caterums, which is like an old, like, 60s, like, open cockpit, like, long nose. It's very British. Okay. It's like the kind of thing that you'd expect, like... 
British people to do. <laughs> Not to knock the Brits, but yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And like a Jaguar looking thing. Jaguar's way cooler. Like the yeah. Caterham was designed with like a T square and a protractor. Like it's just square with like two. And they were like and, road cars. Yeah. Well, originally they were the Lotus, the Lotus 7, and then oh, Caterham. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Like those kind of cars. Anyway. It was this like really weird, like nuanced sport where guys would set up in a parking lot and they'd do cones and they'd do a 540 around one and then they'd have to drive to another area and then do like another obstacle and go whatever. So okay. this company brought it over from Japan. They called it Jimkana USA. They did one event. They made it like a little bit cooler than what was out there. Ken was like, I'm all in, builds a car, like throws like 80 grand into this like engine and everything. And he was super excited because he was living in San Diego at the time. But this is not to race. He was like, I'm going to make well, my own race or is No, it? he wanted to compete in this. Because, oh, okay. Yeah, because at the time he's racing rally in America. Yeah. But there's like no rallies happening in California. There was one at the time, but like very Oh, and little. this was in California. Yeah, so he could okay, do this here. You. It was at El Toro. Yeah. So he could come and like he just wanted to be able to drive and slide cars around. Yeah. Right. The thing, like to take a step back, you know, in skateboarding, like even if you're doing a contest, like you have fun before you go do that. Yeah. In motorsports, there's no fun. Like, what do you mean? The racing part's fun, but like you don't, you very rarely, like at least back then, it's changed. And Ken has, Ken changed this. This is one of the major things Ken's changed motorsport. Back in the day, you would show up, you would do your practice, you would do your qualifying, and then you would race. Yeah. How's like, that not fun? It is fun, but it's not like it's pressure fun. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's competition level fun. But you're it's saying not, that this is different, there's less pressure? How? Well, what I'm getting at is like Ken was kind of, Ken went to motorsports and thought like, man, there's all this cool fun shit I can do in a car, but I'm not allowed to do it because I just have to, oh yeah, no cursing. I just have to do what I'm supposed to do. Right, like there's all this cool fun stuff, but I can't do this because I have to go from point A to point B and be there as fast as possible. So I can't slide bigger on this corner yeah, okay. or do all this stuff. And yeah. Jimkana for him was this thing that he didn't care as much about competing, but he could go have fun doing it. Got it. Does that make sense? Yep. So anyway, yeah, think about it. It's like contest versus non-contest days. It was so like, it's one contest. He did it. Everybody competed. He loved it. He thought it was really cool. He wanted to go, you know, do it again. And then the whole series went kaput. Right, it was one. Yeah, because he was like the only person who liked it. Right, nobody else cared. <laughs> yeah, no one else really cared. So was, then, who came up with the idea of instead of a contest, so, make a video part? Yeah, because so, that's got to be a Ken thing. Because it's sound. It's a skate. It's it's very skateboarding. Yep. When he brought it out, I was like, this is a skateboard video part with a car. Yep. So afterwards, he called me and he said, "Oh, I went to that event. It was okay, but it was kind of slow. Could have been better." He's like, "I'm thinking about." And the second one's canceled. I already built this car. I'm thinking about renting the same location that they did this event at, but like taking it and just making it faster, bigger. Basically, like his filter on what he thought Jim Connor as a sport should be. Right. And I'm like, at this point, I'm living in New York City, so I'm calling, you know, I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Cool. Go do it. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to film it. So I'll send you some clips. So he started sending me clips. And I like, realized this is 2008. So like sending a clip meant I'd like download it at noon and at like 7 p.m. I'd actually be able to watch it. Right? Wow. It's like he'd send me a clip. Like, oh, that's really cool. And then that started to kind of be the idea of, hey, there's something here. We should put this together. You know, it's funny to think back at this era because in 2008, like YouTube just didn't exist the way it does today. People making these like this type of stuff didn't really you know, exist. And it was, and if it did exist, it was in skateboarding and you were either waiting for, you know, once the VHS and then eventually the DVD, it wasn't like a digital download for something. Right. Yeah. 
So anyway, he was at that point, you know, putting this all together and eventually it became this idea of like, hey, we should release this as a video. And that's where like we started to layer in the bigger ideas like, oh, he should do a donut around a Segway because like that had never been done before. The idea of like someone doing a donut around something as it was in motion hadn't been done. And we thought about all these other ideas of like, oh, it should be a, you know, a motorized uh, bar, bar stool and all these different things. And then eventually we landed on Segway because the idea was, was like, that was when Segway tours and parks were really big. Yeah. So you'd like go to Love Park and some dude would be rolling around with a helmet on a Segway. Yeah. And we thought, everybody hates those people. Like, I remember seeing uh, in the rain in Beverly Hills a family with uh, the raincoats that they gave them to wear and a little rain hat and they were all on those things going down the street and I was like, this dad has no idea what he has done to this family. <laughs> like, no idea. I don't care what country you're from, dude. This was unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it was the most uncool thing It's so bad. Ever. Yeah. It was the most, I mean, I, I remember. I did that movie, Paul Blatt Mall Cop, and that yeah, was I like, I never even knew they existed, and it was in there it was in front of the, yeah. and Kevin James was like, you're going to give it a go? And I was like, nah. nah. He's like, no. And I was like, yeah, no. And he's like, why not? Is it like a skateboard thing or something? I was like, I guess you could call it that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a general dignity thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Some people get it, man. Yeah. The um, dignity. <laughs> it is. I love, <laughs> I love being anal about certain things. Like certain things, I know it's wrong. I know it doesn't make sense, but I really screw you, man. Like that thing is embarrassing, and if you don't catch it first glimpse, that's cool for you. But that. Yeah. So we're, anyway, my we're first different. my first famous moment was doing the segue. I gave up my dignity oh, and wow. I got to be on the segue. But no, um, it's a little bit different. You're allowed to segue if someone does burnouts around you. But that, yeah, was, no, that was cool. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate, appreciate you, bud. That was Telly's favorite bit. We got to get more of that segue guy. That's what it's he was like. Any way he leans, it just knows. <laughs> when he gets scared, it stops yeah. and saves him. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, you know, it was like, and then that all started to come together and. The film came out and it just like exploded. Yeah, let me absolutely explode. Let me ask you something about that. I don't want to be indelicate about this, but I I knew Ken by reputation from what Jason said, and I gathered that he did the DC thing and probably walked away from that with a significant amount of money, and Mm -hmm. he didn't necessarily need to make money from the next thing he's going to do. It was a passion project. Did you from the start? see the potential of this or I looked at it and was like, yeah, if this guy breaks even, I'm sure he'll be happy. He just wants to do this. At what point did you realize what the ambition was for that? And at what point did you realize this might actually happen? This could be as big as DC or bigger. Um, I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a good question because realize the first Jim Connor film comes out in 2008. We don't actually officially start Hoonigan until 2010. And during those two years, you're watching all the stuff around Ken explode inside of DC. And I mean, I'll air it out now, but you know, there was a lot of people internally at DC who were pissed about this because you have this core skate brand or a brand that's still trying to be a core skate brand. And the like once, you know, founder, you know, the co-founder, chief brand officer is creating t-shirts that are outselling a lot of the skaters. <laughs> I remember uh, being in the X Games and I missed the final by one spot and he got, I think he got like a silver yeah, or a bronze. Yeah. And I, and I saw him afterwards and I, and I was like, I got to say it because I'm your friend. What's the point of me? 
And he just started laughing at me, but I was like, seriously, I'm not on TV. I didn't make the cut. You got second. What is the point of me? Like, yeah. you don't need this. You should just do it yourself. And it caused a bunch of ripples inside of DC because it was also selling really, really well in Europe because, like, motorsports are just so yeah. much bigger in Europe. And Europe wanted to go all in. They're like, this is great, this is great. And the U.S. office is like, no, like, we're going to lose who we are as a brand at D.C. And so they kind of pumped the brakes. And at that time, it was called D.C. Teamworks, and you had Travis Pastrana, Dave Mira, and Ken were all doing it. So, like, you had three big names that, like, you know, two obviously came from action sports, and you had Ken kind of in the skate industry, and it all just came together, and it was doing really well. And uh, they sort of pumped the brakes, and that opened up an opportunity. Because we knew how well the stuff was selling, so we thought, oh, we could fill this with a car-based thing. And I think early on, I think Ken and I really thought it would live under DC, but it just it just never did. Oh, yeah, well, I, I think, didn't know that. Yeah, I think early on, like, we had this thought that if we built Hoonigan in a year or two, DC would see how valuable it was, and that it would it fit that niche for them, yeah. and, and we would just tuck it back in underneath that umbrella and, you know, catch a check. Yeah. I don't think we ever thought it would become what it became and all the media and just this cult kind of following that it created because it really just defined an audience of, you know, the younger car generation. And DC was wrong thinking that that would make it look bad for skateboarding. Uh, I feel like, I mean, obviously skateboarding's fine by itself, but I think Ken brought a lot to the table when it came to making us look cool. He sold, he sold us, and then he did it for himself, and I don't think that it put a, a stain on any, anything to do with skateboarding. I remember people that don't give a crap about cars thinking that it's cool now yeah. because Ken was yeah. uh, in magazines doing it, yeah. jumping snowboard gaps in his car. We can all appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I thought it was cool anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just an interesting time for DC, but that's probably a whole other conversation. I think right. it's just like this weird era where they were no longer on top, and all of a sudden you had this weird thing explode that wasn't supposed to. Yeah. And the Jim Connor film ends up becoming the biggest video that they'd ever put out in the yeah, history of, wow. of DC. And uh, they've done the DC video, they've yeah. done Mountain Lab 1.5, like all this other stuff. And Danny's Mega Ramp stuff. Yeah, the Mega Ramp stuff and all of that. And then, like, you know, Ken goes and makes a video in an airport by himself and it crushes all of it. People right? can relate to it, man. It's so, in a car. Yeah. Skateboarding is for skateboarders. Yeah. yeah. I knew the video was successful when my mom sent it to me. No like my way. mom's a scientist. Wait, but you made it. I know, but like, you, you know. Didn't, you didn't tell her. Well, it was like, in my, like, that. Was like in my like mid-20s. You don't yeah. like tell your mom everything you're doing anymore, right? Did you tell your uh, mom when, when it got the amount of downloads that it did? I mean, eventually, because she sent it to me like on day two. Like day two or day three of it being out. I was like, have you seen this video? And I was like, yeah, mom, I, I helped make it. Yeah. And she was like, oh, that's cool. You know, but it just <laughs> that's how I knew it was doing well. <laughs> yeah. That like someone had, you know, gone around and my mom, who's a, cancer scientist like somehow got the link cool know? so yeah so that was the moment we knew that kind of all cracked off so to answer your question like we knew there was an opportunity but we didn't really know i think where it was gonna go because this was this weird era in the automotive world where like the wall street journal ran this article about how kids weren't getting their driver's license anymore people don't care about cars and everyone just thought that like the whole love the american love for like cars and going fast was over yeah. Right, the Prius is like one of the number one cars everyone's buying. All Hollywood is is bumper to bumper Priuses. Like yeah. everything yeah. changed, and I think that all of a sudden Ken's doing this thing that a completely different audience is looking at, 
And we're not, we're like sort of in this like subcult world where not even people are realizing how big we're growing and how fast we're growing. And, and then all of a sudden people woke up one day and were like, these Hoonigan guys, like the millions and millions of people are watching what they're doing. Like they might be onto something. Yeah. Follow up, kind of a similar question to the one I already asked. Do you think Ken was saying there's this huge untapped market, or do you think he was kind of as surprised as everyone else that it was that there was such a big receptive audience waiting for that? Oh, we were. I think we were all surprised. Like I had a feeling, but I was also like the car, the geeky car right. dude who was in that world and like living it. So like I'm like, no, no, there's all these people. I, I remember when Ken first came to me and said. Hey, I'm thinking about doing some DCs like for like automotive. Like, do you think car guys would buy DC? I was like, you don't understand. I was like, it's such a drought of coolness in the automotive yeah. world right now that anyone who embraces automotive, they're going to embrace back. Because yep. there is nothing that is uniquely ours in the in the car world at the time. So, how as somebody who was planted firmly in that world, how did the car world react to him coming in? And all of them could have theoretically made that same video. He kind of just comes in from a different world and drinks their milkshake, no? You're saying you're already yeah, working, for a ma you're working for a magazine. Yeah, There's no. people who are making their living promoting this stuff, trying to look cool doing this stuff. No, but the problem was is people weren't. That, like, he, he, like, created this, like, paradigm shift in the way people saw motorsports, mm -hmm. right? So to give you some background, the world of rally racing in the United States at that time was just... Like, it didn't even exist. Right. Right? I mean, the joke I always just had was, if a car races in the woods and there's no one there to see it, did it even effing happen? Because you would go, you would spend the whole weekend, you'd have these ups and downs, and then, like, when it was over, like, no one knew you raced. So Ken realized, and that's what Ken loved. Ken loved racing. So Ken really built all of this just so he could go race cars in the woods. Like, he created this whole thing so people would give him money to go race cars in the woods. Which, to your earlier question, I don't know why he just didn't pay. I mean, he had money from D.C. He could have gone on his own, but I think he just wanted to be able to justify it at first, and then I think it became addictive, okay. right? Like, I think at first it was like he just wanted to justify to sponsors like D.C. and Monster and P.F. Rich were some of his early guys that, like, hey, we could do something cool, and obviously Subaru. And then all of a sudden it became this thing. And it became like a freight train and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And there was definitely a moment, you know, six or seven years in where I think Ken was a little over it at a certain point and it was just like frustrating. And, you know, we just realized that like we started something that like at that point we couldn't stop. Right, like we had created this thing where kids are tattooing Hoonigans themselves, like at not like a, a couple, like at an alarming rate. Like every day, I'm getting another DM of like, "Yo, check out this full chest piece I got of Hoonigan." And yeah. it was just this cult thing that was moving, and we were able like. to step away. Somebody had a giant wolf knife yeah. logo on their whole stomach, and I was yeah. like, "What the? That's bigger than my one, dude." Yeah, exactly. How's that? Yeah. We had, a, we had a rule, by the way. Ken and I had a rule, which anyone who had a Hoonigan tattoo couldn't work in Hoonigan. It's fair. <laughs> we, had, we just figured there was a line yeah. there that maybe we'd hey, keep something off, off. Something off. No yeah. disrespect. But yeah, no, no, no. It's just a, it's just a different thing. Some so. people can like stuff too much. Yeah. It, it can happen. By the way, I love everyone who's... If you're course, listening and you have a Hoonigan tattoo... Yeah. Oh, love I love you. the dude with the wolf knife tattoo. Yeah, he knows that. Thank you for the support. But... Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was this thing that just kind of like blew up out of nowhere. And I... I we... Here's a funny story. So when the first film came out, like it's pre, it, YouTube existed, but like no one really was using it yet, right? I don't even think Google had bought it yet. So 
Ken uploads the video to his website because at the time everyone had websites, right? This is like really kind of pre-Facebook. MySpace is like just for putting, you know, alienating your friends by not putting them in your top eight. Like at this point, there's not really a platform for this. So we throw it up on KenBlockRacing.com. And a month goes by and Ken gets an email from like his, you know, service provider. And they're like, yeah, you uh, owe us $28,000 because 10 million, you know, website visits came this month. We had no idea that it had done that well. We put the video out. We didn't have like a view counter on the, on the thing. We put the video out and people talked about it. And that was where we saw the value. The blogs and magazines talked about the video. It wasn't even in our programming yet to think, Views, views are what matter. We didn't even know that. And a month later, Ken, Ken calls me. He's like, dude, I don't have the budget right now for this to like pay 28 grand a month if this keeps doing like this. What can we, we do? And I'm like, dude, I, I did some research. There's this thing called YouTube and we don't even have to pay them to put the video wow. up there. You know, fast forward years later, we make money off of YouTube. Yeah. But at the time, it was just like, we can put the video there and people can go watch it. I remember there was a time where there was a guy, one of the top 10 YouTube guys was a guy who did these completely unremarkable blues guitar solos in his house. And then he'd post one and then he would just click on it, reload, 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 reload. And he was one of the top YouTubers just because yeah. he sat there clicking on his own videos. Yeah. It was just such a different era. It was like wild, wild west YouTube days too. Yeah. There was like I don't think there was even an algorithm that was functioning not anywhere like it is no. today. Oh, the good old days. There was no money to be made. There was no AdSense. There was none of that. It was South Park like did a whole ep episode arc about making fun of people who thought they would ever make money off of the internet. Yeah, and now look at it. Yeah, yeah. Look at people like Mr. Beast. It's crazy. Hey everybody, Jason Ellis here talking about Liquid Death, the future of beverages. They have a new uh, vibe out, the teas. They got three different flavored iced teas. And because I'm a part owner, they sent me a couple of cases of each one. And uh, I drank them all. No one else got to taste them. Sorry. I hear they're terrific. Trust me, they're good. My bad. Liquid Death sent me some more cases. <laughs> Liquid, They're really tasty. Liquid Death is already the premier brand when it comes to hydration. Everybody's drinking water and bubbly water. Some of us are doing it quite a bit cooler than everybody else. That's those of us who are hip to Liquid Death and hip. the great things. That's yeah. right. I'm pretty hip when That's it comes cool. to yeah. sparkling water. Wow, we're pretty cool. They nailed the perfect amount of sweet. Just as sweet as it needs to be, no sweeter than that. And that is one of the biggest things for me when it comes to flavored drinks. And that's why I can't even pick a favorite, theoretically, since I didn't actually get to try any. Sorry. Among peach grim, my favorite. leafer, rest in peach, and armless palmer. Maybe I need to go buy some. Lucky for me, Liquid Death's new iced teas are available with free shipping on Amazon and at retailers near you and me. Do as we have an, a discount code, Bob? As an added bonus, Jason Ellis Show listeners get 20% off their first Liquid Death apparel purchase available exclusively at liquiddeath.com slash Ellis. Exclusions may apply. That's liquiddeath.com slash Ellis. Please go, everybody. Show... Liquid Death, the Jason L show is still here. Thank you. Or we'll kill you. <laughs> so uh, I have a tough question. It's not tough, but I just have to bring it up. Like I, at Ken's funeral, you know, like I saw people, you talked, I talked, Rob did, a few other people did. But I already knew that you really loved Ken, but it was super apparent 
that day. You yeah. know what I mean? That that it meant a lot to you, and then to realize that, um, you know, you're still running the show, you're helping his family, and you like, what is? Are you in charge of? You're in charge of. You've you've been put in charge of everything, and you've lost your friend. Yeah, like, that's been a lot, man. It's been a lot, right? Yeah. I like, mean, how are you doing, dude? Uh, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, what's the cliche? Everyone says there's good days and bad days. I mean, that's just kind of how it's been for the past two and a half months, um, three months, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot. I mean, I think at first, so the whole, you know, uh, the day I found out was wild because, um, we were like supposed to go back to work the next day. I just, I took a month off. Like I never take a break. Like yeah, that's always my problem. And my wife was just kind of sick of me not like slowing down. I've got a three, yeah, I got a three year old. So I was like, I'm going to just take the whole month of December off. So like, I took the whole month off and you know, we're coming, going back to work on the third and I get COVID on new year's day. Nice. Right. So I'm like isolated from my kid and my wife and I'm like in this like room and I get the phone call. So I spent oh. I spent two and a half days by myself, like just sitting there, like just dealing with that. And oh. I think in a weird way, and like we're get deep, like in a weird way, I think it was it was good for me mentally. Yeah. Because can't hide from it. Yeah, just face yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah. I you it's so easy to hide. Like everyone has different addictions. And for me, like work was always that one. You know, like I started working. I'm like the classic, like failed out of, you know, college, like dropout. And then all of a sudden, like landed something I loved, excelled at it, and then felt like I had imposter syndrome my whole life. So I just was like, oh, I'll just beat everybody by doing a 14-hour day. Like that's how I'll win, you know? And I did that my whole life. And I I look back now and it's like so many friends who have I've lost, like who've died over the years. Like I just didn't take that time. Like, you know, like, I mean, during the summer, an ex-girlfriend of mine who I was really tight with and was a good friend, like, she passed. And I was in the middle of production. I, like, saw the text, and I just walked out on set and just kept doing what I was doing. Right. And, like, you know, you just didn't, you don't take that time. And you tell yourself, like, oh, you're older. It's easier to deal with this stuff. I guess this is just life. You got to move on. Like, you know, you create all these things to justify that. And then Ken died, and, like, my whole world stopped. Yeah. Because he was so much a part of my world. There was no, like, oh, I guess I'll just go work on Jim Connor. Like, yeah. I guess I'll just go hide my emotions in this. Like that didn't exist because it was every, I mean, he was everything. And then I had to like, st- I mean, there was the thought of like, okay, what's what's next? How does this move forward? Yeah. But then there was also just the like realization that like he wasn't there. And like I will, I, I still the, a week doesn't go by where I'm like, oh, I need to ask Ken about that. Yeah. You know, even early when we started the show, you, you talked about Ken and present tense and it's like it it in some ways it feels like it's been three years since he died because so much has happened like yeah. like on my side like there's so much changes so much things with the company dealing with lucy and the kids and it just it felt non-stop but then in other ways like you realize like it's only it's not, not even been three months right yeah. it's like it's all still really really new so yeah it's um so I, I got this like massive like forced I was I referred to it as like my grief sweat lodge because I'm like sitting there like <laughs> sick in my house and like my house is gl- I have like the that wall's full glass so I yeah. can see the rest of my family yeah. but I'm just like stuck in this room my like little kids coming up to the glass Bubble and being boy. like daddy and I'm just like in there just dealing with it all right and you know it's already like when you've been sick for a few days your brain already starts to kind of yeah. go into those dark places and I felt like. I not only was dealing with the the like sort of 
grief of all of that, but like also all this other stuff was coming back. So for example, um, I don't know how deep we're going to get into the brain of Brian Scotto right Go now. For but it, do you remember we went to Glamis and we went ripping around in Can-Ams way back in the day? Yeah. So like that night while we were there, we were staying in those RVs. Like I got a text, like one of my good friends had passed. Heroin overdose. And I was just like, all right. And like got up in the morning, we had something to do. So I was just like, I'll deal with this tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow comes and something else comes and something else comes. And I think like all of that, all of that just like landed on me. Fuck. And then, I'm, but at the same time, I felt, I felt like helpless because like all I wanted to do was get to Utah, see Lucy, see the kids. Yeah. And I couldn't because like I didn't want to go there and complicate everything by getting everyone sick, yeah. right? So yeah. I was like, so I just had to stay back till I got like a, a negative test and then I headed there. And heading there, I think was like, it was really rough seeing everybody, but it was also nice to like be around everybody and not be alone anymore and kind of do that. And then I just like went straight into back into work mode, right? Like it was yeah, that's because the thing I tell know. people were already turning to you. Yeah, and it was like we did that, you know, that whole thing we did at Woodward, that whole memorial. Like basically, Ron and I just thrashed and tried to lead it and put it all together and got all the prints made and decorated everything and put the run of show together and you know and did all of that. And like I'll admit, I. I did it because, it, I one, I knew it needed to be done. Two, it was a nice distraction from everything else that was going on. Yeah. Three, there was this weird comedy in it all because, like, there was this horrible moment. I just lost, like, my mentor, my good friend, like, my business partner, all these things at once. But at the same time, like, he still very much felt there. So, like, Ron yeah. and I would be doing things and be like, dude, you going to crop the photo like that? Yeah. What the, I could, uh, Ken's texting me right now. Like, that is not how, like, and you just felt like he, you, there was this moment where I think we really immediately saw, like, how much impression and impact he had on our lives right. because you're constantly doing the, like, oh, what would Ken do? How would Ken do this? Oh, Ken would hate that. Yep. Ken would absolutely hate that. And there were a few things that, like, had to slide because you're like, oh, you don't want to offend people. But I'm like, oh, take, like, things would show up at the memorial and, like, someone would put it down and I'd be like, get that the hell out of here. Like, right. like Ken would not, yeah. would, would be losing his mind if he knew that was here, you know? But, yeah, it was, um, it was a lot. And then coming out of that, it was just dealing with, like, Lucy and the kids and, you know, and just it, the whole situation was just horrible. And And then also looking at our company and saying, you know, we had sold our company a year and a half ago, but we we still were going forward. So we sold our company to a company called Wheel Pros. They own like Rotiform and American Racing Wheels and Fuel Wheels and all that. Yeah. And um, But like we still had a contract with them to keep going for five years and we also had all these plans of things we were going to do and like that instantly just changed. So like everything had to be new. We had to think through everything again and I, the first 10 days, I really just fought not putting my head there. Like, I just didn't want to, like, be in work mode. I wanted to be, like, in pick up the pieces and sort of recovery mode for the family and kind of figuring all that stuff out. But yeah. at the same time, the last conversation I had with Ken was about his daughter, Leah. And, like, like all Ken cared about in the last year was, like, his kids going racing. Like yeah. He was kind of done with his story, right? Yeah. Like, I think he got to a point where he was happy with the story he had created for yeah. himself. And... Now it was about that next piece, right? Yeah. So then that became a big focus, right? Like how do we? Because that's what's happening, right? That's what's happening. I just got back from uh, Lucy's racing, right? Lucy and Lear racing. We just did the Hundred Acre Wood Rally, which was Ken's like that was his event. Like he dominated there. He won six events in a row there. Like at one point, I mean, he just that was his event. 
We went there. Leah raced for the first time ever in a rear-wheel drive car, and she ended up second in her class, ninth overall, and she put down a fifth fastest finish in the power stage, and the power stage is the one where you get extra points for, like, going even faster. Yeah. So, like, it was just a great... I mean, it was a great event, and... How I did Lucy do? Lucy did great, and unfortunately, the car broke. Ah. She was She was actually seventh overall on day one. No way! Yeah, and the best part about it is, is that Lucy... Um, came into it with the like, I'm just gonna drive. I'm here for Leah, and then yeah. she just, you know, just kicked started out of the hammering. Spot. Yeah, it was great. It was <laughs> awesome because she was like not expecting. Where I, f- I was actually worried that there was too much pressure on Leah to show up and perform, and yeah. she kind of kept it, I think, clean and tidy, not to crash, and she did very well by doing that. Where Lucy just went out there and was like, I'm having fun, and <laughs> oh look, I'm winning my class. <laughs> oh look, I'm seventh overall. She was ripping. She was. That ripping. is so cool. What was Lucy's level of engagement with the sport leading up to this last last five years? Say, um, she competed in a couple events, but she was. I mean, last year she did a full season. The whole family went oh. and, and raced last year, which was rad. And I, I got I got to say, like, I think you know, I said this at the memorial, but um, you know, Ken was a was a complicated person mm-hmm. to say the least, right? Ken was a complicated person, and that like he. He never, even no matter how much he had, I always felt like he like wasn't happy with what he had, right? Like this guy had created and built so much. There was so much around him. He just always wanted to do the next one better, right? Every Jim Connor film needed to raise the bar and be better. And if it wasn't, then he was upset about it. Every event, every race, every product we made, every livery needed to outshine the thing before. And I'll tell you, that's like a really um, exhausting kind of person to spend time around. But I also was similar. And I think the two of us like really connected over that, you know, and I, someone, we just did this thing where we were ranking our favorite Jim Connor films for this thing we're doing because April 3rd is coming up. So like we're trying to deem that Kent Block Day, 4-3 day. Right, so like we're putting this thing together for it, and someone said, you know, like, oh, what was your favorite? And I was like, I hated all of them. I was like, you, and that was like the joke in it was that if you weren't critical of your own stuff, you weren't actually good at making stuff, yeah. right? Like you had, you could, you could never finish it and be like, oh, that was perfect. You always finished it. And we're like, oh, I wish we had more time. I wish we did this different. I wish we did that different. And that was how Ken attacked everything. But last year, it was different. Like, even though he got very close to winning the championship, and I know that he really wanted that, it, I think because he got to race with his daughter and, like, with his, you know, with his wife, and it became more of this family thing. I think, yeah. like, he, this vision that I don't think he ever saw before all of a sudden came together, and he just seemed way happier last year. Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, I always noticed that where, you know, he wasn't satisfied, but I, I thought I took that as a good trait because that's kind of how you become the best at something. Yeah. But but I, I, I did I f- always feel like he wasn't, like, super happy, but in the end it did seem like... Because when I knew him before he had kids that he was not... I, I wouldn't have said that he was going to be a good dad. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm just... He didn't seem like he would get down and talk to a little kid like a little kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he just seemed like he'd be like, so, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You know, like being serious. I, I've got this creative brief I put together to think of, talk about your playtime. <laughs> if you showed me a video of that, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. But it seemed like, you know, over the years, especially once he had kids and I had kids, we saw each other way less. But he was a super dad. Yeah. You know, no, it was no. super apparent that, 
it was all about them. Yeah, especially in the last couple of years, I think it all just clicked for him. And he wasn't traveling as much anymore, and, and that all came together. And I don't know if I'm just like searching for solace in that thought that like he finally just stopped chasing like this feeling like he needed more and more, and yeah. it all just kind of came together. He bought the ranch, like all the stuff. I think it was just like coming together for him, so which is good. Yeah, know? yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, it's been brutal, but uh, at the same time, it's you know. Well, he would want you to. Yeah, well, that was the thing that we said was not give up, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was like we were, you know, two days into putting everything together for the memorial, and Ron and I, it's like 3 30 in the morning. I was like, oh my God, like nothing changes. Like he's not even here anymore, and like we're still not sleeping and like thrashing. And Ron was like, yeah, Ken wouldn't want it any other way. I was like, I know, I know, I know. And then it was like the same thing when we got back to business. I think it was this weird thing because we didn't want to like get right back in and have people look at us and be like, oh, these guys are like right back at it. Like, did it even matter? Yeah. But like Ken wouldn't even have hiccuped the day. I know. Ken would have been like that night, like, all right, well, what, what, what social posts are going up? Like yep. he would not have even have stopped. It would have yep. been like, yep, business, like this keeps going. Like we've got something to do. Let's get it done. I so. mean, if you look at his life, he's a perfect example of just that. Yeah. You don't stop. Yeah. Ever. You no. just keep going. No matter yeah. what happens, yeah, no, he never. So you are running Hoonigan. You're you're doing all this. You got new people. You've got people helping you. Yeah, I mean, we've got um, we've shrank down the overall crew, unfortunately, just because there's a lot less going on this year without Ken being here. But there's about twenty to twenty five of us now at Hoonigan. You yeah. know, Ron, like Ron and I are basically kind of running things now. Ron's really stepped up a ton, um, and then we've got like you know just a lot of the original team. Um, you know, still there, just making content and everything. So. And how many shows do you have? Right now, we're doing like two a week, so we're down from where we were. Um, but two we'll, different shows, yeah, and they come we, out every week. Yeah, so we do. We we have a show called This Versus That, which is like our really simple drag race show. Yeah. Audience kind of loves it. The yeah. whole idea was to put cars that you normally wouldn't see race each other against each other. Sometimes it's like some of the world's fastest cars. Other times, like, we race, like, old, weird, like, military vehicles versus, like, a Is truck. Is that hard to organize cars. every week? Oh, it's a nightmare. Right? To we, find two yeah, new... We, we batch film them. All, we what? Ba- we batch film them. So we'll film, like, five episodes in a day. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah and then roll them out. Yeah, but... you don't have to do that much interviewing. It's more, like, get them to drag. You want yeah, to drag. like, cars are just the worst thing ever because <laughs> they show up, they don't want to run when you want them to run. They have, like, right. the worst performance anxiety. Especially when they're super hot Yeah, cars. and it's, like, a, just a nightmare. Yeah, and then everybody says they're going to show up and then they don't show up. And, and then also, like, in the world of drag racing, everybody sandbags. What, so, is, what is that? So, like, sandbagging is when you say you have less than you do. Oh, okay. So you'll be like, if the two of you guys are racing, you're like, oh, yeah, I got 400 horsepower. And you're like, ah, oh, I got 390. And the reality is you have 4,200 horsepower. <laughs> and, then the audi- and then the audience is like, what? who matched up this race? This race sucks. You're why like, do they? Why do they? Because they want to win. I, know, why, I was trying to say, why does everyone in motorsports cheat? So much more than any other sport. Like in zero to sixty, where we, nobody calls anybody out. It's no. more like you. If you didn't cheat, if you're not cheat, cheating, you're, you're not trying. Yeah, yeah, we had a column. We had a column in zero to sixty magazine called "If You're Not Cheating, You're Not Trying," yeah. and it was just like the greatest cheats of all time in motorsport. Because remember, you have like engineers, you have like really, really smart, like MIT like yeah. level educated people who are helping you cheat. Right. So it's not just normal cheating. It's yeah. like, we're going to hide fuel in this section of the car. We're going to do all these crazy things. I was yeah. in the cheapest races you can be in, in the most who cares if you win or lose races in 
I was in it for over a year, maybe two seasons already, and someone goes, hey, man, uh, let me put this chip thing in your car. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, I just I put this little program in there and it'll, like, get your car to go a little quicker. And I was like, yeah, okay. And he puts it in and I win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't do better. I won. And I'm like, how? Where do, how do I? He's like, well, I got to use it. So, but I can, like, program your car to keep that. He's like, everybody has that, dude. You didn't. Everybody's like, cheating, how do you except for that? you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When everybody <laughs> cheats, it's fair again. But I thought. That's how the world works. It's this like taxes. race. Like, if you win, yeah, right. Michael, you get 150 bucks. So, like you nobody, have no choice. But nobody cares if you win or lose, but I just it made me realise, and somebody there too said it, like, I go, wait, so everybody here is cheating? He goes, yeah. dude, this is the cheapest kind of racing. Think about how much they cheat when you go quicker. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like as much as possible in every single way. Yeah. Like people lean on when you weigh the car. Like I've had people go, don't worry about it. I'm like, what do you mean don't worry about it? It's like you're a little light, but I'll just lean on it. Like, and I'm like, what? Because yeah. it's, it's like it's like the towel trick of racing. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. such a jank race. Like the guy's like probably drinking a beer at the same time, and he's like, oh yeah, you weigh this much. Like he didn't see that the guy behind was just pushing on the back yeah. of it. Yeah. He's also they're all, also buddies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, it's all just. Yeah, man, racing's all about cheating. Yeah, it's like it's like you wish MMA like why don't they have a a, a, a organization where everyone is just straight up allowed to be on steroids? Right. Oh, that's, I'm fully into that. By the way, that's motorsports. Yeah. Imagine like just all sports, like they just launched the XFL. Imagine the XFL was like, "Yep, these guys are on steroids." I just think there should be a different world for that, particularly because of like the the guys who age out of the UFC. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. nobody's saying. If you can figure out a way to make a living or you save enough money, no one's saying you need to go to Belarus and join the steroid FC. We're yeah. just saying. Oh, man, we're just steroid saying, FC is, mm-hmm. it's got a ring to it. We're just saying it exists. Yeah, yeah, Vitor yeah. Belfort, and you're welcome to go join it, and nobody cares what you're doing over there. Who's who's the victim in this? What about I mean, if you do steroid? All the people who are competing, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah but they that. love this game. Brian. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're here for it. <laughs> and there's, I saw plenty of those guys this morning at LA Fitness. There's guys who are still going to do this. Oh, yeah. What regardless about steroids of and slap fighting? I wonder if you could slap <laughs> someone's face off. I'm going to slap his face Yo, slap, off. Uh, the slap fighting stuff is amazing. Dude, I got a DM yesterday from a fan of the show and a fan of Ellis Mania, and he is a professional slap fighter. Why does it feel like this is going to end up I with you getting resp- slapped? I couldn't respond. I, 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 he obviously isn't that much of a fan because he doesn't know that my opinion of slap fighting. What is your opinion of slap fighting? It's hideous. It's it wouldn't amazing. bother me if it's it, built. It is built wait, for you TikTok. Like it. Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. not that I like it. It's just it works. I just think that there will come a time where even the dumbest fan goes, I've seen it because it's just the same slap. Knockout yeah, over and over again. There's never anything. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 a one trick. There's bone. no. Yeah, right. So you get bored of it. My only beef is that Dana White did it. Like if you have slap, uh, I've seen slap fighting. It's been in Russia for yeah. years. Good for you. If you want to do that and make five hundred bucks, good for you. Right, right. But don't bring it in as a part of mixed martial arts. Like don't think that if you're an MMA fighter, you're a slap fighter. I, no offense to slap fighters. I get it, man. It's tough out there. If you can make money, 
slapping somebody and you get to go on tour wait, or wait, be wait, on TV on. show. So slap fighting more than a joke? Because I really just thought it was like, is it it's on serious. a level that's real serious now? Okay. So I'm assuming the people that are competing and getting knocked out on the weekend are pretty serious. Mm, yeah. Dana White so. promoted it vigorously, not in a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> fashion. Yeah, he has a <laughs> UFC fighter, the, the middleweight champion, ex-champion, is one of the announcers. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. I, really, clearly I haven't been keeping up on the slap Very few people have. That's sort of <laughs> That's his problem. problem. It's like, yeah. it's like you More know, people saw him slap his wife than saw the entire first ooh, season. It's like Street League <laughs> just goes, you know, Rob Dirty goes, right, rollerblading is in Street League. And they're, uh, doing, they're using the same course, using the same thing. Yeah, it's all we over. got, you know, I mean, Tony Hawk's the announcer. Like, no, no. Uh, he really slapped him there. Yeah. 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 That's what he says. Yeah. No, I don't want anyone to get mad at me. If you, that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing. I just, you know, like, same with rollerblade. rollerblade. I don't have no beef with the, sorry, inline yourself to death. I don't care. It's just, this is us and we're different. Don't ever get it twisted. So, this is still surprising me. When you were a kid, did you slap box? No. Like, do you remember what slap boxing was? No, I boxed. See, like as a kid in New York City, slap boxing was like a big thing. Yeah. Like you would just like, you'd slap box with your friends and it Lewis was great. Lewis does it. with. Remember Lewis did it and Jeremiah Wilkins fucking landed a sweet shot on him and it was not a good look for Lewis. But it was always like a guaranteed like, hey, you want to fight your friends? Yeah. Start with a slap fight. Right. Because it, it would always be like you slap box in and then all of a sudden, a good boom, one. you land a good one, boom, it goes to fist every yep. time. Yep. But it became like this thing. You guys that, did that. Oh yeah, and in the '90s it became this thing where like you would slap fox, you would slap box people you weren't even that good of friends with uh, over just some bullshit. Like, oh, we, I want, I'm not gonna fight you, but let's just slap box. But then it escalates, and then it always escalates to a fight. Yeah, it's like the, least, just the tip of fist fighting. But at least your idea of slap fighting is it sounds like you can use both hands and you can avoid slaps. Well, it was great for me because I'm six foot eight and I've got like a huge wingspan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could, I could like lean back. So if you both get a good, good one in, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but so. that's there's there's a sport in that. But it was like you I'd had to be okay if you had, had to had move a, around. It's not yeah. like you just stand and get a slap. I'd like be okay if slap fighting it. was you fight the other guy, but you only have to use an open hand. Right. Well, that's what it was. It was fighting but with open hands. Free slap is stupid. So the Sorry. first the first time I ever saw like slap fighting, like the not slap boxing, but slap fighting was actually at a hip hop show at SOBs in New York. They just brought a bunch of people up who just slapped the shit out of each other for fun. Yeah. And like it was more almost like a comedy routine yeah. than it was like a perform. Like I mean, that's the, really yeah. what it is. That it? sounds all, like an appropriate forum yeah, for that kind of just like, Not Tuesday nights on TNT. No, 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 by no, Michael no, Bisping. no, no, no. This was Tuesday nights at SOBs, <laughs> drinking forties of old E, like watching people slap the yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except for the turtle race. After the turtle race, it was like something to bet on. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm for that. Turtle races. That's that place on Lincoln, Venice, that did turtle races. Do you remember that place? We had a place in New Jersey, Fatso Fogarty's. Home of the turtle race. Are you from New Jersey? I am, yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, just outside the city. I went, to, I went to high school in New York. Oh, okay, okay. Where are you from? I grew up in Queens, New York, and oh, then okay. Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan before I moved out here. All right. You know, there's a idea of I've had for years of the mini bike race with obstacles and then having uh, these boxes in bet- on corners where there's things in there like people dressed as like like I thought it'd be really cool to have somebody dressed in a cow suit so it's like two people in a cow suit and it walks out of the little tunnel in front of you when you're going around the corner when you're racing so, so then it's like just to get out of the way you could be in front like say like I race Travis Pastrana yeah, so yeah. it's pretty obvious that Travis is probably going to get a jump on me yeah so the cow would jump in front of Travis 
so that I would have a chance to catch, not to mention all the other obstacles. It's like real life Mario Kart. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, but that I feel well. like Hoonigan connection. We should just go do that at like one of the karting places. We could probably make that happen pretty easily. Like go karting? Yeah, but yeah, have yeah. it in a, in a, uh, like have bikes. in their facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, we can just do it after hours. Because if you ran over a, two people in a cow suit in a go kart, that would break their legs. Oh, yeah, that's probably a good point. But if it's a mini bike, you're still going to hurt. Not but. only in the turn. So when you have to slow down to the turn, that's when the cow yeah. comes out, not on straightaways. Mm. You could also hire, you could hire some underemployed slap fighters. Those guys can take a shot. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. And then I thought about having UFC fighters and firemen and they're on the corners so they can like kick you over or the fireman can shoot you with his fire hose. I like that. Right? And yeah. then I thought the best one is pool gap where it's just like the thin little thing you got to ride over and if you don't make it over you fall in the pool but you know travis is all about hydroplaning so he would just go flat across the water oh, yeah, you got to go fast to hydroplane i don't know if he could do it on a mini bike travis has like his own science he yeah, just I says like that. his own math it doesn't make any sense but it always works but it always works sort of i mean except for that time that he fell out of a building and broke his dick but uh, yeah, wait what was that he broke his dick did you not watch Jim Connor with with Travis in it? Yeah, he, we had him jump out of a building as the opening. I felt horrible about this, by the way, but now it's kind of funny. With the parachute, right? With the parachute, the parachute yeah. didn't open properly. Oh, wait, did I didn't, you miss this? I know he got hurt, but I, I thought he hurt his neck or something. I didn't know he hurt. Well, his he broke penis. his pelvis. Yeah, but, but, then, he he's, but then he separated. <laughs> separated he, what? His urethra oh. from his bladder. Oh, yeah, Sir. yeah, and um. So uh, it was it was pretty rough and uh, wait is the penis cord yeah 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 yeah, yeah came yeah. out of penis, his penis cord came out well out of the bladder so internally and then just like filled him with blood. Oh. So do they have to sew your penis cord back on? I didn't get that far because realized like I was the one who said action, and then you know moments later you don't feel bad because you had to no be I the felt one. I felt pretty bad that but moment. he wanted to jump he, he knew did know he wants it. to jump yeah but like you have to understand Travis is the like you have to be really careful with Travis because with Ken you're like hey Ken I want you to jump out of a building and he'd be like yeah f off yeah Travis you're like hey I want to jump out of a building and he's like uh okay whatever I'll make you happy like that you got to be careful with Travis because Travis is willing to do a lot more than he should. But there is a small difference. Travis jumps out of things with parachutes and Ken has never done that. No, I know cuz so that's a different Ken, ask. Was, Ken was like very like pragmatic and smart. Yeah. Not saying that Travis isn't cuz Travis has gotten He's more this of far. a maniac. Yeah, I mean for I, sure you can say that. Yeah, he well, comes from Supercross, dude. It's different. If you're that fast in Supercross where you could have been the champion of the world, then broken bone, concussion, maybe not here anymore is part of the game. Yeah, it's – oh, he's he – comes him, from that. I asked him before. I was like, hey, man, like you're kind of – like you really have broken yourself. And he was like, well, if I didn't do this, I probably just would have worked construction. So I just have to look at this as like part of what like I had to pay to yeah. – have everything I have in life for yeah. my family. And yeah, because like, okay, he does that's have, one way to justify it. He, I mean, if if you have to accumulate, like add up things that he has, yeah, he has the most, and he's up there with, you know, the Matt Hoffmans of the world when it comes to how many injuries. You, I mean, you could do a documentary on just his surgeries, oh, and yeah. you'd be like, how's this dude walking? And not only is he walking, he's he's doing stuff yeah. today. I mean, he got he got top ten in NASCAR or almost, didn't he? I know. He did really, yeah, I think he was in top 10. He got hit also, at the last lap, but he was in the top 10. I but, like, that. I mean, he broke himself and then got back in the car and filmed Jim Connor with us just a few months later. So so he couldn't walk because he cracked his pelvis, and then he had all this internal bleeding. This dude lands, hits the floor, and the first thing he says is, like, 
he's begging to someone to bring over a walkie so he could talk to me. And, and he's tell like, you. And he's like, he's like, listen, um, I, I could get back in the car just so we can finish this scene. And like, that day. Yeah, like, realize at this point, like, he's there's, bleeding literally, internally. there's literally blood filling his testicles to the size of, like, a balloon at a kid's birthday party. Did he have a huge balls? <laughs> I didn't see it, but he showed the photo <laughs> to Vinny and Hoonigan, and Vinny was like, dude, it's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> just the most, just the oh, black, and, black and blue everywhere. Oh. Yeah, just, just smashed potatoes. Oh. I've always had a theory about Travis. I don't know him at all, but I remember him saying one time that he gets uh, night terrors. Yeah. And I honestly believe that he doesn't, when his there's something wrong with him that when he's supposed to get scared, it doesn't happen. Oh, like the opposite of and the fear it, gene. It yeah. gets stored. And then when mm. he sleeps, all of a sudden, that it hits him like 12 hours later. Yeah, I feel like you should talk to him more about that because that's definitely... Yeah, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about his night terrors, so I won't. But, but you can I, talk he, about his huge balls. I, 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 I only know because he's mentioned them on, on yeah, this Yeah, yeah, but I know it was a big problem for him. I know right. it was a big problem for him to travel and like all of that because it was just difficult for him. I don't know the specifics, yeah. but I don't yeah. think that's crazy. I think yeah. there's some delayed reaction thing. Like, so uh, he doesn't have a healthy fear in the moment. Like, you, you know, everybody... In Supercross, it's very, very brave. Yeah. But that extra oh, layer of... I'm dude, not I can really get pretty close to it. Like, I, when I was in my prime, I got hurt, like, every three months. Yeah. Pretty bad. You know, like, hospital, broken stuff, and and knocked out. And it, it got to the point where I, I I remember thinking, I can't handle it. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't keep doing it like this. You know? Like, if it, if it doesn't... If I can't start, like, getting away with more stuff, then I'm going to back off a little bit because... It was not the pain. It was, it was the constant pain. Did that, you back off of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started to like hesitate on certain things because I'm like, I don't want to go back to the ER right now. So, like, so I'm then, done with that. So then, when you started training and actually started fighting, like, was that not in your head? No, it's not as dangerous. Mm. <laughs> that sounds so stupid. Yeah, but it's not. It's not like if you skate mega ramp, fighting is not that dangerous. Yeah. I could be I wrong. guess you kind of. I guess you know. I mean, it'd be different if you were fighting. I'm not in the UFC. I'm not fighting. Right. You know, Izzy. I'm. I'm fighting a guy that's like kind of as good as me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we have. You know. So like, you kind of know the parameters of how badly you get knocked out. You get knocked yeah. out. You could get your arm broken, yeah. and that's kind of on the scale of. I can do that for for to win. I can do that. Yeah. I can commit to that. But not all the time. Like I'm yeah, done. Yeah. Done. I don't want to. That's the other thing. When I did fight and I got a license, it made me realize that I probably um, started way too late because I don't want to live like this. You know, I'll do it one time and then I go back to working with Michael and we fart joke and I smoke weed. I don't, <laughs> you know, and, then I, and I eat pizza. You know, like when if you're yeah. in the if you're in the game and it's your job, you got to be in shape, yeah. ready for a fight at all times. People drop out, you lose your opponent. The, they call you and say you need to, a, a guy, and all of a sudden the guy you're like, wow, this guy's way better than me. But they're like, I'm giving you this shot. If you beat this guy, you get a career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know enough to know that I don't. I, this is that's a young man's game, you know, where you just wake up, go to hospital, you starve, train, live in that little anxious thing where you're like, I hope I win, I hope I win. It's not about getting hurt. Yeah. It's about winning. I, when, I way rather if you break my arm and I win, cool. I remember when we did that episode where you raced, you raced in the oh, morning, such a and bad then you idea. Fought at the end of the day because I got to spend idea. a lot of time with you through all of that, and like <laughs> it was a glimpse into like 
the, all the stuff that goes into fighting and prep before the actual fight, right? right? It's I way I more than the fight. Yeah. And I remember like leading into it and I was like telling Mike, I was telling my wife, I was like, you know, I was like, I kind of think I want to get into fighting. Like, cause I like, I enjoyed not like on a professional level, but I really enjoyed fighting as a kid. Yeah. Right? Like, I was like, yeah, and the fights was always fun. I, mean, I was like, I was like, I can see this. Like, it looks like a great way to stay healthy. And then I think like there was this moment where I was just watching you almost break that dude's arm in the ring. And I mean, you said to me, like, if I have to break his arm, I don't want to have to break his arm, but I'll break his arm if I have to. And then I'm just hearing like the crunching. I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't think, uh, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I got to that point where I was like, I'm just too old for that kind of injury. It's That's just not just the thing. Just go to the gym and train. Yeah. Having real fights is, you know, might be over the top. Yeah. Did you, do you miss it? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I miss. What do you miss more, that or skating? Winning. Oh, I miss, I skate. I know, but like. Oh, do I, I oh, I miss skating good. Yeah. Yeah. I miss. I'm not saying you're not good. I didn't mean to come I out am, the way, but I, I mean am, like. It's okay. You're I, like I miss that more than anything else that I've ever yeah. had in my life. Yeah. You know, maybe some dogs and some cats I miss more, but yeah, yeah. I miss being it being easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like I still like going, and when I make a trick, I'm like, whoa! And then I got all my old friends. They're like, nice one. You know what I mean, you old bastard? And that feels good. Yeah. yeah. But there was a time there where I didn't have to think; it just flow. It flowed, and it's not flowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little wonky and and dangerous. It's it feels like when I was at my Prime, and every time I dropped in, there was like a like a twenty percent chance I was going to get written off. Mm. It feels like that, but now it's not for all the marbles. It's just for fun, and it that does first couple of rides. I'm a little bit, oh, mm. you know, like don't don't make any big mistakes right now, Jason, because it's so lame when you do. Yeah, but I I love the man. It's so cheesy. Can't believe I'm gonna say it. The camaraderie. I love my friends. No, that was such a great friends. part of it. Yeah. That was that was like, yeah. I growing up in New York City, so I'm 43 now. Which for the longest time I felt like I was one of the young kids in the group. Now I'm like the old guy. But um, I skated for a few years and then I moved over to BMX. And I really moved over to BMX just because like, a I like the mechanicals of BMX. Like I like the like you You're know parts and the skate. wheels. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I got too you big. Have to, a different ball. You're too, really too big. I got too big to ride BMX too. Which yeah, I can see that too. And that was. It, it wasn't, I'll tell you, it was... You're too it was, wobbly. It's like all too close in for you. You're too big. I jumped on a skateboard the other day on a This First That set for the first time I'd been on a skateboard in a decade. Yeah. And, like, the other kid was, the kid whose deck it was was probably, like, 120 pounds. Yeah. And I'm, like, 290. Yeah. And, like, the trucks were so wobbly that, like, I could barely, like, just, like, keep balance yeah, on it. board. Yeah. Still had, I could still ollie, no kickflips. Somebody, I got an OnlyFans, somebody... Pay me to skate naked, so I ollied the stairs this morning in the backyard, and I had like running shoes on instead of skate shoes, and I ollied one gap, and then I tried to ollie the grass gap and came up short and took a shoulder block on the ground and landed on a dog toy, so it went wee when I skidded. But that—that's the type of stuff you get on your OnlyFans. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just it's what people ask for. Do you stink? Because you're a car guy. Do you stink? I mean, like. <laughs> Kind of. This is my deodorant company. Wait, you have a deodorant company? Yeah, now? Hume. 
They make deodorant and they I make see. body spray, but pick with one of those. If you want to take him, really, dude, you can take him to your stinky friends. You said you pick one. I took one, and then you dropped the other two. Well, I meant you were going to smell them and oh, okay. pick the one okay. you wanted. There's multiple, I was picking based multiple choice. fully on color. So. It, they don't test on animals and stuff, so you know it's Does good. it have aluminum in it? No, and it works because oh, yeah. I sweat like a maniac, and it works. So I back it. That is That is earthy. What's this one? Um, There's a lot of options. One smells like watermelon. It's my favorite. This one's pretty good. I like this one. And then there's a, what one's that called? Um, where's the? On the green, on the lid. Oh. On the side. Uh, this is, it just says feel good, smell happy. On the side. <laughs> oh. Desert Bloom. Of course. Desert Bloom, yeah. I feel like I'm like shopping for colors at Sherman Williams. Oh, I think it's fun. Um, what is this one? Where can I like everybody see? I like this one we gotta go. Amber Woods. Wait, it's over? Yeah. I thought we were just getting warmed up, guys. I can go for like hours. <laughs> you want to be on the Patreon show? What? Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I don't stick care. around. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll stick around. That sounds good. Hell yeah. So everyone can go to... You're, you're at Brian Scotto oh, yeah. on oh, Instagram. Uh, Instagram, at Brian Scotto, and then at the Hoonigans for Hoonigan, Hoonigan YouTube. I mean, if you just Google Hoonigan, you'll find us. It so. does come up pretty quick. It does come up pretty quickly, yeah. I want to say thanks for being so. on the show, and I want to say also thanks for being such a good friend to my good friend. Yeah, man. It's, and been, it's been fun. I love you, dude. You're a good yeah, guy. Yeah, I enjoy you too. I man. hate you're, the... Uh, I, that we fun. have to go through this. Yeah, it sucks. But uh, in a weird way... I've reconnected with a bunch of people like that were from Ken's previous life. Yeah, it's been fun. Like I spent a lot of time with Damon. Yeah, and I haven't seen Damon in years. Like hey, he's around. Lately. We've all sort of reconnected cool. and stuff, which is which is great. And uh, yeah, it's funny. I will say one thing in closing. Ken was always kind of jealous that you and I became friends. What? Because oh, this like, is good. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you for telling me this. But, this but, is so good. But, but he all, because like Wait, hit stop. Let's start another episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, because, like, I would be like, oh, I did this thing with Alice. He's like, it's just so weird to me that, like, you and Alice are, like, friends now. <laughs> but then but then at the same time, I'd be what like, about oh. the fact that him and I were friends? That's weird. That's but, way weird. But he loved, because I would, we'd, like, get on a call about something, like, very business-related, like, yeah. contracts issues, and he'd be like, so what's up with Alice? Because he knew, like, he saw something. And I was like, I'd, like, tell him a story. Because you you know, like, you know you're a ridiculous human being. Yeah, yeah. And Ken loved ridiculous human beings. Like, yeah. He surrounded himself. Because he was, like, to some levels, like, a very normal person If uh, in some levels. He was also a ridiculous human being himself. I was going to say, but, yeah. But he liked ridiculous human beings. So yeah. he'd be like, oh, yeah, what's going on? And I would, like, you know... Oh yeah, well, like he raced cars in the morning, and then he almost broke some dudes in the uh, arm in the afternoon. He was like, "Oh, Ellis," and then he would tell me an Ellis story, Aww. like a story of like when you lived with him. But then I would be like, "Oh, Ellis told me this story about you," because realize I didn't know party Ken. Oh. I only partied with Ken twice. Oh, okay. In the fifteen years, yeah, like, I guess 16, the eighteen ones. years I knew him. <laughs> so I'd be like, "Oh yeah." Kane's telling me this story about like sushi and blah 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 and blah, blah, blah. and he'd be like, oh, oh yeah yeah it was good times back then. <laughs> Suck so, it, that's yeah. awesome. Ken did love sushi. <laughs> and that's what, that's how the story went. Thanks for being on the show, Scott. We'll be back next week, everybody. Enjoy your lives. Don't die. Ah, what? <laughs> nice. Did you press...